Hello, everyone. Welcome to the City Rev Live podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and we've got our very own Pastor Justin Chase. I thought you forgot my name for no, a moment. No, no, I, <laughs> I just wanted to make it dramatic. Pause for dramatic effect. Okay. I just wanted yeah. to make it dramatic. Uh, today, we're continuing our series, What's the Difference? Uh, and so what we've been going through uh, through this series is just giving you guys a general understanding of the different world religions and also how to approach uh, people of different beliefs in a manner that is faithful, honoring to God and also honoring to, to those around us. Uh, today, we will be discussing the religion of Islam. Yeah. So, Justin, can you uh, kind of lead us through what the origin and the background? Of yeah this religion is. yeah so these conversations i think have been uh interesting and helpful um as followers of christ uh we have an understanding that our faith is something that cannot be coerced or forced upon someone um you can't like shove someone into the kingdom of god um that we are to persuade we are to share and offer the truth of the gospel but we do so knowing that it is God who opens eyes, um, we do so knowing that uh, an individual makes that commitment in their heart. And so as we talk about these various faiths, we're wanting to do so as best we can. We're not experts, but as best we can in trying to first start by defining the faith system that we're considering uh, in a way, hopefully, that uh, would honor uh, someone who adheres to that faith and that someone who is Muslim in this instance would say, yeah, that... Uh, is what I believe. Now, one of the things that's interesting about all of these is just like within Christianity, uh, people label themselves Christians, and yet there is some diversity uh, in terms of belief or practice among Christians, and that's not uh, different with Islam. So uh, you can't really talk about Islam without talking about uh, a particular individual who is esteemed as the founder of Islam, um, and that's Muhammad. So have you ever heard of Muhammad. I heard of Muhammad, yeah. Yes. It's hard not to have heard. Very significant figure, uh, one of the most influential humans to ever walk planet Earth. I think we should just pause and appreciate that. There are uh, just billions of people who have claimed um, faith in Allah through the profound, profound um, impact that his influence had on this world. And so, who was this individual, Muhammad, who influenced so many people? Uh, quick history about him. He was uh, born around 570 AD. So to kind of frame things, Islam, uh, although in the Quran and um, what Muslims would say is that there have been Muslims throughout history before Muhammad, people who submitted to Allah. Uh, Muhammad was really the one who um, they admire respect as the one who founded it. But around 570 AD, and he was someone who lived in an area that had influences from Christianity and influences from Judaism. Um, there are a lot of similarities in terms of and references or allusions to biblical texts. There's also uh, evidence, a lot of uh, scholars believe that some traces of Arabian monotheism, which means um, belief in a single creator God, um, also played a significant role in influencing and shaping Muhammad. Uh, and around 8610, 8, that is about 610 years or so after the time of Christ, uh, he was meditating in a cave that now is called the Mount of Light, 
and he fell into this deep trance and uh, had a, an angelic visitation from the angel Gabriel. And the angel spoke to him and showed him a book and ordered him to read it. And this was the first of Muhammad's revelations that he received. And um, as, as, the, uh, as the story goes, Muhammad at the time was illiterate. And so the fact that he could read was a miracle. And he continued to have a series of these revelations, be it dreams, angelic visitations. And he started teaching people uh, directly from what he was claiming to have received in these visions. And he proclaimed that to the people of Mecca. This is kind of the, the place where uh, Muhammad really started to have his gathering form. And Muhammad's followers over the years, he, he moved from town to town. Uh, around that area in the Arabian Peninsula, and his followers started documenting his teachings, and they started writing down, uh, and basically these writings that are uh, transcripts of Muhammad's teachings form what we now know as the Quran. Okay. So that's the origins. I mean, you could go down a long rabbit hole. We could spend a whole lot long time longer. So it was his followers that created the Quran. It wasn't him. In terms of the writing of it okay. and documenting of it, Muhammad is the one who's attributed to having received revelation from Allah, from God, um, the one creator God. Um, and the followers of Muhammad are the ones who wrote down. I think there's a similar parallel here um, in this sense with Jesus. Jesus himself did not write the New Testament. Right, Jesus didn't write the Gospel of Luke. You know, there was a guy named Luke who wrote it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Luke recorded that which Jesus said. Now, that that comparison breaks down quickly. There's a whole lot that's very different about yeah. those two individuals. But in that sense, it is similar. So Muhammad didn't write the Quran as the one who literally documented it. Okay. But he was the source of the revelation he received, and then he taught that out and that was documented so i i have a quick question i hope yeah. that this doesn't throw us off but yeah uh like you had said prior that uh as far as islam and what muhammad was you know putting out to his followers and to uh, the people around him yeah that there was a monotheistic approach which is a belief in one god one god as opposed to a plurality of gods or many gods and so with with christianity in comparison because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. we believe in one god yep that's true. Do both believe in the same one God? Yeah, that's a great question. And this question is, I think, the sub it's the subject of a lot of debate and conversation. Um, and there, I think, are two angles to tackle that question. The first angle to tackle the question is, do Christians and Jews, for that matter, and uh, is, uh, Muslims worship the same God? What I would say from scripture as revealed and as a as a believer in jesus i would say that the god we worship is not the same god that is revealed in the quran that they are uh, vastly different uh different in nature and character and we're going to get into some of that okay um so we're, we're when the quran speaks of allah it describes things about him that are in direct contradiction to what the bible hebrew bible old testament new testament uh, describe about God. At the same time, historically speaking, um, there is uh, no doubt this heavy influence. And when Muslims talk about uh, Allah, their God, 
um, the origins, the creator. There are some kind of unifying type ideas, um, as in Allah is the one who created the world. Um, there are, um, you know, Christians believe that there is one creator God who is behind everything that exists flows from him, that God is sovereign. There's similar uh, thoughts within there. So there's a sense historically where some have argued they're, they're describing the same God, but they have very different, um, Muslims have a very different view of God's character and nature. Okay. And so what I would say just pastorally is a Muslim who's praying to God, who they have in mind as they're praying or worshiping is very different than who we have in mind when we are praying when we are worshiping um because we as we'll get into it in a moment we okay. believe in a god who is a trinity right and uh we're getting a little ahead of ourselves but uh and there's a number of other uh, aspects of god's character and nature that are directly okay. opposed to the way that muslims understand the nature of god okay so now like you said we'll get to that in, in a minute yeah as, as far as addressing their core beliefs yeah what what what's what would fit in that category? Yeah. So in Islam, um, you know what's interesting is that it is it is a faith that is largely based on or emphasized in practice. So the way of you, the way of life, how you order your life, is a primary primary aspect to this religious system. But there are essential beliefs that are at the core of it, and some of them include there is one God. Um, there are not multiple gods. They're, you know, they do not, they reject the idea of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, second, they believe that humans are called to submit to the will of Allah, to submit to the will of God. And this is the essential task. In fact, that's what Islam means, submission to God. That's what that phrase uh, and, and means. And so their, their submission to the will of God, what would, can you define? Yeah, so in Islam, there is a high view of the sovereignty and the, the decree of Allah. What Allah wills happens, and what he wills not to happen does not happen. Okay. There's a very high view, leaning on determinism uh, or, or fatalism even, and there's debate within Islam. Again, it's in a similar way to Christianity, there's some tension and pull depending on which Christian tradition you're you're operating in on to what extent does God's sovereignty intervene in human free will or responsibility? There's a similar debate, so to speak, uh, within Islam as well. But it's submission to his moral will, how you live your life, submission to the situations and circumstances, um, uh, but submitting to Allah's will. And okay, okay. The next one that's really prominent as well is coming judgment. There's a, there's a high awareness of impending judgment where Allah will judge you and your deeds will be exposed. And there's a strong belief in the afterlife. Um, there is this very, very pronounced reward that's emphasized for those who submit to God. And there is a very uh, pronounced warning of eternal punishment in hell for those who do not submit to God in Islam. And so these are some of the core beliefs, including the, uh, the belief that God's or Allah, um, Allah reveals his will in the Quran. Um, and he revealed himself through Muhammad, who was his final prophet. And so uh, that's, you know, there's more, obviously they believe in angels and demons as okay. well. Um, even 
even the, uh, you know, how Muhammad re received his revelation, he says, was from the angel Gabriel, who is a biblical figure from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. So okay. they do believe in angels and demons. There's, there's more to it, but those are some of the core. Okay, okay. Now, and as far as the their day-to-day -day practices. Yes. Yeah. Um, what it looks like. How, what does it mean to live as a Muslim? Yeah. Uh, what does it look like to, to live according to the will of Allah? Sure. Yeah. So the most uh, common way to explain it is the five pillars of Islam. The basic quick uh, overview of that is the five pillars include confession, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, almsgiving, giving, and pilgrimage. Okay. So confession is really, uh, in one way to think about it in, in, in our terms, it's the confession that is about your conversion. So the confession is not uh, necessarily like, hey, I confess that I sinned in this way. It's more the confession that, uh, to, to quote it exactly, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is the apostle of God or the prophet of God. And for a person to convert to Islam, what it requires is for them to make that confession and mean it. That's the first step to becoming a Muslim, okay. to make that confession and mean it from, from your heart, so to speak. Second is prayer. They have a very regimented set times of prayer, five times a day. Um, and uh, they have a, a very traditional patterned way of praying. Fasting, there's a whole month uh, during the month of Ramadan where uh, Muslims will fast during daytime from, from sun up to sundown, uh, where they won't even drink water. Almsgiving, this is giving to the poor. Uh, it's commanded in the Quran for believers to practice charity on a regular basis and pilgrimage, if possible, at one point in their lifetime, a Muslim must visit at least once uh, Mecca, okay. uh, the origin, the birth city of, of Islam. Um, and so that's kind of the quick overview of what it looks like. So I... Like when you say confession and, and, and prayer and, you know, giving to the poor, that, that, that's, those are some of the things that we as Christians do yes. uh, on, on, on a day-to-day -day basis. And yeah. we're also given, you know, commandments to obey. Oh, yeah. Uh, but as far as the heart posture behind why we obey yeah. and why they obey, yes. can you kind of break that down? Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting with Islam and Christianity, and, and then you can extend this to Judaism as well, because Islam arose um, really out of a climate that was influenced by Judaism and Christianity. There were Jews living in the area, Christians living in the area for centuries at the time that Islam really emerged and became a, a massive movement. Um, because of that, you see categories that you can talk about the same category in each faith system. So yeah, confession, prayer, giving to the poor, uh, really, those are categories within Christianity that we have things to say, but there are some really key differences that we should not gloss over. Um, this is very, you know, sometimes people describe, you know, all religions are like different paths up the same mountain, and at the top of the mountain is God, um, and some people call him Allah, some people call him Jesus, some people, you know, that is very a very different understanding than what is actually there in the Quran. It's in fact an injustice to the Quran uh, and and the Bible for that matter to claim that there are different paths up the same mountain. They're describing very different mountains to mm -hmm. use the same metaphor. 
And one of the keys is what you just asked about motive or, you know, what's the point of obedience. So in Islam, high emphasis on submission to God, which is, uh, again, in Christianity, we have categories for that. So submitting to, to God, surrendering to Jesus, taking up our cross daily and following him. Um, the motive, however, for uh, obedience or submission to God is uh, primarily rewards and fear of punishment based in okay. Islam. So rewards as in your submission to God will get you certain rewards in heaven. And that is the driving uh, that is the driving motivator or disobedience going to bring, you know, bring you judgment in hell if you don't submit to God. And then depending on where you're at, there's some areas that are very um, influenced by folk religion. And there's um, areas of the world where um, uh, Muslims have also this kind of animistic bent to their uh, views that they have a, a uh, significant belief in in demons and evil spirits and uh if you fail to submit to allah you'll have e evil spirits that'll torment you or mm. mess with you so there's there's a high emphasis on that however when, when it comes to christianity our motive for submission to god we're told in scripture we love because he first loved us in other words our our trust in God, our submission to God comes in response to his initiating love that he demonstrated most radically in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to rescue and redeem us mm. from our sins. Um, and we're told, Titus chapter 3, uh, in Titus 3 he says, you know, we have this faith in God, not, beca not because of works done by us in righteousness, but because of his great mercy, because he washed us clean, mm. because of the forgiveness that he offers um, to us. And so our obedience and surrender to God is primarily motiv motivated out of a joyful trust in his goodness and in his love that he's demonstrated towards us. We also have a concept for rewards and punishment, yeah, right, in yeah. eternity as well. Uh, but the, er the emphasis in Islam more pronounced on the you'll get rewards or you'll be punished by Allah. Um, in Christianity, it's more, um, you, you were talking about before the podcast, that juxtaposition Tim Keller talks about, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. where our obedience comes from. Uh, so uh, it's, it's the idea of following Jesus. It's not this, um, I obey, therefore I am accepted. It's, uh, I am accepted therefore i obey yes yeah yeah our obedience comes from the initiating love that comes from being accepted by god and then the other key difference i mean there's so many so the doctrine of the trinity we touched on that that's a significant difference christians believe that jesus christ is the second person of the trinity uh that the holy spirit is the third person that there that there is one god who exists in three persons father son and holy spirit each of them is fully god and there is one god and we have this category and understanding that this is who is revealed in Scripture as God. It's very different than the Muslim understanding of God. We also believe that we can have, well, depending on your tradition, but we as, um, as Protestants and what we would say is in Scripture, you can have an assurance or a confidence that you are a child of God who will be in eternity with God. That because our faith 
our security is not based on our works. Our security is not based on how good we are or how, how if we've done enough to make God happy and pleased with us, but our security comes from trusting in Jesus' finished work on our behalf. We can have this assurance uh, that Jesus has us, that we're his children. And uh, so we can come to God, not out of this fear, like, okay, is he going to reject me or is he going to accept me? Yeah. But we come to him with this assurance, assurance of, of faith. And that's okay. very different. For a Muslim, there is no assurance that they will go to paradise uh, after they die. Uh, they would say that's presumptuous to think that you could, you know, force Allah into a corner and have confidence that you'll end up there. Whereas Christians would say um, that through faith in Jesus, we have become children of God and God is our father and we come to him as our father and we have that assurance without having to wonder, you know, have I done enough for my father to be happy with me mm. or, or have I not done enough and to live in, but we can have that security. Um, there's a number of other, you know, key and significant differences. Uh, Muslims in the Quran, there's several references to the Bible. There's references to Jesus. One of the things though, that they reject in addition to the fact that they reject that Jesus is God is Muslims reject the idea that Jesus died on the cross. So, so for Muslims, it's just an abomination to even think that Allah would allow one of his prophets to be humiliated. Uh, in that way to be crucified which is the most humiliating form of death for that time period yeah and so they esteem jesus as a prophet but have a view of jesus that's very different than the new testament and believe that the new testament writers uh twisted and you know changed who jesus actually was uh over time and m created this myth about him that he was the son of god and that he is god and that he died on the cross uh, Muslims would say he didn't die on the cross, but somebody else died and they thought it was him or there was confusion. And where there. did these assumptions come from? Or I, Which assumptions? As um, them thinking that Jesus was not the yes, one who died yes, on the cross? Yes, 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 yes. Well, in their mind, uh, Allah, who is supreme and all-powerful and his will is authoritative no matter what they can't imagine allah sending his okay. prophet to be killed in that way okay in a humiliating degrading way okay in that way uh and so as christians we believe that that was the love of god on display uh, philippians chapter 2 um, it is the humility of christ you know being sentenced to death even death on a cross on a cross that becomes the means of his exaltation. Mm, it's his okay. self-giving love. Um, now he's given a name that is above every name, that, the, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. Um, and so the cross is this moment of shame, but it's Jesus becoming a curse for us. It's Jesus uh, renouncing everything, giving everything so that we can be reconciled to the Father. And uh, it is a gift of his grace and um, salvation in Islam is the result of a life of submission to God. Salvation in Christianity is a gift of God's grace, his generosity poured out on, on undeserving humans uh, who, don't, who don't earn his grace and forgiveness. Okay, so now since we've addressed the distinction between the two, 
uh, approaching one who is who comes from an Islamic background, yeah, uh, uh, and say maybe having conversations or debates between what yeah. uh, Islam is and mm. what Christianity is, what would be the best approach? Yeah, what would be things that are very important to consider while talking to a person yeah. with this background? Yeah, I think the a couple of things to keep in mind again, what we just shared, what I just shared is a very brief overview. Again, I'm not an expert in this. Yeah. There's probably some people listening, watching who know far more than I do. Uh, and so when we talk about this, it's it's an important feature to note as well that Islam is also a missionary religion. A missionary in the sense that we as followers of Jesus are called to share the good news of Jesus. In a similar way, uh, Muslims are called to spread this message about submission to God. Um, and so when you're talking to someone who's Muslim and their faith is important to them, they have the same desire towards you that you have towards them. Mm-hmm. In other words, they would love it for you to convert to Islam. And I think it's important for us to have like a mutual respect for each other in having dialogue and conversation. And um, I think it's important as well for us to just know the stakes, especially in some parts of the world and in some cultures, the stakes for someone who is Muslim converting to Christianity are quite high in a way that are not like, you know, what just someone, you know, your average person in South Florida coming to faith in Christ is. If someone comes from a a Muslim background, family, there are many who coming to faith in Christ would mean completely being ostracized and excluded from their family, being treated as 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 dirt. Um, there are parts of the world where it's illegal to convert to Christianity, parts of the world where you will be killed for converting to become a Christian. So the stakes are high and we, we need to just make sure we 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 say that. And what we would say is it, you know Jesus is is better than life itself. Mm. And he calls us to renounce all that we have and be willing to, yes, even suffer and die for our faith in him. So that I think as is an important just background. Okay. Okay. To have. And I, I, I want to, with that last thing that you said as far as like the extreme, um, uh, what it looks like to convert from Islam to Christianity and how people yeah. are treated, being yeah. ostracized and being completely excluded. Uh, for that person in particular mm-hmm. who, made the conversion yeah. who has renounced and given everything to Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, but they're excluded from family, right. from friends. They're looked differently. Yeah. What would be your encouragement uh, as far as what to do then? Like as far as going through the the pushback, the hardship, the hardship, the persecution. And, you know, this might feel like a punt, but I feel like, um, you know, it's difficult for me to even under, begin to think about how to answer that. Um, all that I could do is point people to Scripture and say the pattern of the New Testament is that there are people who uh, put their faith in Christ and suffered tremendously for their faith. And uh, in my own life, on a much smaller scale, when my faith has uh, been the source of someone's criticism or disparagement, um, the the word for us in scripture is that we're given the privilege to suffer and and bear and share in the sufferings of mm-hmm. Christ and we follow a savior who suffered himself and was 
killed, and um, Jesus ultimately surrendered his life, uh, but he suffered tremendously, and we get to share in those sufferings, and there's something of God's grace that is promised, a comfort, a peace. Uh, it doesn't mean that the, the blows don't hurt or the pain doesn't hurt, but there is a promise from God that he's near to us. Uh, when we're in those moments. Because he's able to both identify with what we're going through yeah. and also be able to carry us in yeah. the midst of yeah. those Yeah, there times. are certain promises that are made to those who suffer, to those who are dragged in front of kings and uh, rulers. There's promises in Scripture of the, the Holy Spirit's equipping, comforting, uh, empowering in those moments. And uh, that's what you read in church history of brave men and women who... Uh, did not waver in their faith, uh, even in the face of death. Um, but it, just in terms of how you talk about uh, Christ with someone who is um, Muslim, what I would say is just being aware of there are four pretty common basic um, responses that Muslims often have when it comes to Christianity. Uh, so just being aware of them. Uh, again, you're not going to get in an argument and argue someone into faith in Jesus, yeah. but it is important to be able to have dialogue. So four basic uh, things that often come up are the Trinity. Yeah. That is often brought up in uh, in, in Muslim thinking. The, the Trinity is polytheism. They believe in three gods, you know, and uh, I've encountered this myself. I've had very few conversations about faith with uh, Muslims, but one of them I did have um, I was on a plane ride, um, headed to Nashville, sitting next to a gentleman who was Muslim. And we talked about, that's the first thing he said when he, we got into talking about was about the Trinity. And he's, you know, I can never believe in three gods. So just being aware of that. And I think it's important for Christians to have an accurate understanding of what we believe. Yeah. Because if you don't have an understanding of what it means to believe that there is one God who exists in three persons, at least in a way to be able to yeah. somewhat have dialogue. It's, it's a mystery, we'd say, um, but God has revealed enough for us to know um, certain things. And so it's important for us to be prepped on that. Uh, we did a, a message recently where we talked through that. Maybe we can link that in the show notes uh, so that people can, can check that out on the Trinity. But second, it's that Christ cannot be God. You know, it's a really an extension of the first, that Jesus is not God. And that is an essential Christian belief that um, you just need to be prepared to talk about the, the deity of Christ. Third, they'll talk about how the Bible's full of errors or contradictions, but the Quran is direct revelation from God through the prophet Muhammad. So they'll talk about and esteem their book above the Bible. And then that Christianity is just complicated, whereas Islam is just simple. You obey Allah, you go to heaven, right? You, yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't submit to him. You go to hell, right? There's one God. Why complicate it with all these Trinitarian, you know? Anyway, so with those things in mind, what to emphasize in the conversation? What I would say is spending, and this applies to all, all conversations with persons of any background, is focus the conversations on what we actually believe as Christians. Because even in the Quran itself, when it talks about Christianity, it presents a version of Christianity that's actually not true. That's actually not the real thing. So spending time talking about who Jesus is, what you actually believe, and just sharing that with them after you hear what they believe, what they think, it will dispel certain things they've read and been told what Christians believe. And I think that's a helpful, important note. We don't want people to reject Christianity over something that it's not. 
right? That's yeah. a that's a shame, right? It's like, oh no, I don't believe in Jesus because of something that has nothing to do with Jesus. That's yeah. unfortunate when that happens. And then the final thing I would say to get specific for Muslims, I think an area of opportunity that we already mentioned where we can talk is about assurance. I think uh, that concept that we can know that we have a relationship with God where we have an assurance that we are his children now. Beloved, we are God's children now, First John 3 says. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Um, Jesus in John 10, right? Like, you, you're in my hand, you're in the Father's hand, no one can snatch you out of my hand. And God uh, isn't trying to keep us in the dark and, and scare us into submission, but our God is drawing us into trust, loving trust, surrender, submission, out of his love, out of his self-sacrifice for us in our behalf. And so to talk about a relationship with God that is secure and that forms an identity in us where we're not afraid of, of disappointing, angering, and then being punished by him, but we have this assurance, I think that's a real opportunity for us to share and shine the light of the gospel with okay. um, those who are um, those who are Muslim okay so yeah making that making that uh, distinction very clear of that assurance that we have in the works of Jesus Christ right and also coming at it with that informative approach where it's not pointing fingers like mm -hmm. I say this believe this is wrong none of that but just what's said and what yeah. you believe as a mm -hmm. follower of Christ right would you say? Yeah, that's that's a great way to sum it up. Yeah, we're just wanting to you hear them out, genuinely take interest. What do they believe? How do they live? Yeah, and then you share. Well, here's what I believe. You know, how did how does that line up with what you thought I believed? Yeah, is that what is that what you thought, or is there anything I shared that's different than maybe what you thought? I think that makes for good, healthy dialogue and can bring to the surface some important truths. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Justin. You're welcome. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this message, uh, this session of What's the Difference? Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe and leave a rate and review. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. So don't forget to tag us at cityrev.church. If you're interested in more resources, download our City Rev Church app and follow us on social media. Thank you so much and have a great day.